Hello and welcome back to the Scars Debut for Purpose. I am your host, Zary Cox, author of two books, The Scars I Come With and The Child Within, and an upcoming first ever poetry book, The Awakening Poet. Thank you for joining me for yet another episode. Thank you for sharing with your friends and family. Uh, thank you for your encouragement and your comments and um, just your, in general your support. I hope that everyone is doing well and staying prayed up and building on your personal relationship with God because that is one of the most important thing you can do for your life and I will never stop encouraging you to do that. Um, I hope that you take my advice. I hope that you are enjoying my series of understanding the purpose and power of prayer and uh, putting prayer into practice. So I want to ask you, do you know, do you ever feel isolated from God or unsure of where you stand with him and unclear about how to pray? Right? Um, did you ever ask yourself, am I praying based on the effects of the fall or the effects of Christ's work or redemption on my behalf? I want you to begin today to apply the redemption of Christ to your prayer life by acknowledging Jesus' restoration of your relationship with the Father and your purpose of dominion, right? Remind yourself daily that your redemption means that Satan and sin no longer have authority over you, that you have authority and access to the Father through Jesus' name, and that you have authority through the Word of God. I want you to start approaching God based on this promise. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Preparing for prayer. How do we prepare for prayer? How do we enter into God's presence? See, once we understand that the heart of prayer is communion with God in a unity of love and purpose, how do we begin to pray? Where do we start? We first need to learn how to enter God's presence with the right spirit, with the right approach and preparation so that we can have the communion with him. Um, I'm going to look a little bit into the Old Testament where in the book of Leviticus to illustrate a New, a New Testament principle, the priesthood of believers, right? Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Matthew 5, 17, the New Testament reveals the deeper spiritual meanings of Old Testament practices and rituals which were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8, 5-6 and 9, 23. It is important to understand these Old Testament practices so we can appreciate what their fulfillment in the New Testament means for our relationship with God now that we are redeemed in Christ. The term entering into God's presence is frequently used in the church today in reference to worship and prayer. However, in our casual 21st century Christianity, most of us don't understand what this concept really means. Even when we attempt to do so wholeheartedly, we still don't fully attain it. Why? Frankly, it is because we often do not have genuine reverence for God. You remember when I remember growing up and being in church with a hat 
it was a big no-no, right? Today, it would say that it's, people would say that it's the attitude that counts. Yet, I think we have lost the attitude as well as the custom. We need to be spiritually sensitive to the fact that God is holy, that he is mighty, and that he is worthy to be reverenced. One of the favorite theological ideas in many churches today is that grace cancels law. Yet because we must understand the nature of grace, we are casual about our obedience to God. We commit sin and then we hurriedly ask for forgiveness on our way to church or prayer meeting. By the time we get to the door, we think we're ready to join with other believers in prayer. We treat the precious blood of Jesus, which he gave his life to, delivered to us, as if it's some temporary covering for our messes so we can sin all over again. I'm also guilty. Sadly, we don't really love Jesus. We use him, right? Then we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. The truth is that grace supersedes law in the sense that only the grace we receive in Christ enables us to fulfill God's law. Jesus told us that the greatest commandment of all is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Matthew 22, 37. God is saying to the church, in essence, don't obey me because of the things you want from me. Obey me because you love me. If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 15. If you love me, you won't need chastisement and discipline to do what I ask of you. God doesn't want us to use him merely as safety insurance from hell. He wants a relationship, not a religion. He wants to be a father to us. He wants to communion with us. Communion means intimacy with our Heavenly Father, through which we express our love for him, find out his will, and then do it. It is entering into the very mind and heart of God in order to become one with him and his purposes. In this sense, drawing close to God is not as simple as a matter as we generally think. When we don't have a healthy fear of God or respect for his commandments, we are unable to truly enter his, into his presence. That is why when we talk about seeking God, we must talk about the word holiness. Holiness is critical to the prayer because without holiness, no one will see God. Hebrews 12, 14, Jesus emphasizes this truth when he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5, 8, I don't believe these verses refer to seeing God in heaven after we die, but to everyday life on earth. They refer to seeing God now in the sense of having an intimate relationship of love with him and entering into his presence so we can know his heart and mind. When Jesus said that the pure in heart will see God. It was during his first public teaching found in Matthew 5. He taught the people what we now refer to as the, the Beatitudes and what I like to call the attitudes to be the attitudes that define who we are supposed to be in Christ. Jesus began by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, who really seek after God. To mourn means to humble yourself in fasting. As Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. 
God will satisfy you if you seek him with all your heart. It was in this context, right, that Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When Jesus made this statement, he wasn't referring to our dying, seeing God in heaven. He was teaching us the attitudes we are to live by every day on this earth. He was telling us how to remain in unity with God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Pure means holy. Therefore, Jesus was saying in effect, Blessed are the holy in heart, for they will see God. The word holy means to sanctify or set apart. Or to be set, blessed are the set in heart, for they will see God. When you are pure in your heart, your mind is set on God and his ways. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart and be holy, because I am holy. Leviticus 11.44 I am the Lord who makes you holy. Leviticus 28 There is perhaps no word that describes God better than holiness. In these verses, God is saying, set yourself in the same way that I set myself. Be holy just as I am holy. To consecrate yourself means to position or set yourself in such a way that you say, I am not going to stop until I get what I'm going after. Leviticus 20, 26 says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Holiness always has to do with separation it has to do with fixing yourself on God and not being influenced by people who are not set on him and who do not believe in his word what does it mean to see God in relation to prayer the scripture said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord Exodus 14 13 2 Corinthians 20 17 God says in essence if you are holy then I will manifest myself to you you will see me you will see my salvation in your life if your mind is set in regard to your prayer that is if you are convinced that he will do what he has promised you if you are pure both in what you believe and what you do then you will see him manifested in this sense holiness is the key both to being persistent in prayer and to receiving an answer to prayer holiness is being is being convinced that what god says and what god does are the same you can pray all you want but you have to be holy to see the the answer scripture says if any of you lacks wisdom he should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him but when he acts he must be leave and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind a man should not think he will receive anything from the lord he's a double-minded man unstable in all he does James 1, 5 through 8. This verse is saying that asking isn't enough. You can spend an hour and pray and still receive nothing. A person who is double-minded, unstable in all he does, is demonstrating unholiness because there is an inconsistency between what he says and what he actually believes and does. God is saying to us in effect, if you ask me for something and then doubt that I will give it, don't even think you will receive it. God cannot give it if we doubt because he is holy and must remain true to what he has said in his word. Holiness isn't some mystical, weird, smoky, cloudy presence. It's very practical and real. Holiness means one, not the number one, but one in the sense of complete 
Holiness denotes the concept of being integrated. Integrated comes from the same word as integrity. God has integrity because what he says, what he does, and who he is are the same. That's exactly what holiness means. God always does what he says. He is going to do because he is one with himself. Why is this important to prayer? Unholiness cannot remain in his presence. In the Old Testament, if someone went into God's presence without being holy, he died. God warned the priest in effect, do not come into my presence unless you are holy because I am holy. If you come without being holy, it will destroy you. Those who died in that way did not die because God likes to kill people. They die because holiness and unholiness cannot exist together. God says the pure in heart will see me. See Matthew 5 8. Those who are impure cannot see God. When we go to God in prayer, we must have the same integrity between what we say and do that he does. Because holiness is telling the truth and then living the truth. God says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. We can't just say we are seeking God. We must really be seeking him if we want to find him. In other words, we must be single-minded in our desire to find him. We must say like Jacob, God, I'm not going to let you go until I see you. Genesis 32, 24 through 30. Is that the way you approach God? If you seek God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your conscience, if you seek him with everything that is in you, he promised that you will find him. If you do not seek him with all your heart, mind, passion, and attention, then if God shows up, it remain. It means he is not being true to his word because he has said he will only come if you seek him with all your heart. If God were not true to his word, he would be acting in, in an unholy way. If we couldn't count on God to do what he says he will do, we couldn't trust him anymore. He has to be true to his word, even if it means not answering the prayers that we pray half-heartedly and in unbelief. Know that it was when the followers of Jesus were all in one accord, when they were single-minded, that the Holy Spirit was given. See Acts 12, 1 for that. It is because we know that God is holy that we can believe he will fulfill what he has promised. We can believe we will receive what we ask of him according to his word. Yet James said that if we doubt, we are being double-minded. That means that we don't have integrity. We're not holy. Since God is holy, we also have to be holy if we want to believe. We receive answers to our prayers. This is such an important point that I want to emphasize. It wants more to you. Double-mindedness is the opposite of holiness and integrity. If you are integrated, then what you say, what you believe, what you do, and how you respond are the same. If you tell God you believe him, but then act in the opposite way when you are on your job, taking care of your children or with your friends, then you are not integrated, pure, holy. You are double-minded. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. James 1 to 7. These truths concerning the nature of relationship with God give us the context for the principles that we can see from Leviticus 16. We need to see that the requirements God gave in the Old Testament are just as valid for us 
who live under the new covenant. The difference is that they can now be fulfilled in Christ. The, name, the book of Leviticus is named after Levites, a tribe of Israel. Aaron, a Levite, and the brother of Moses, was the first high priest of Israel. Aaron's descendants, because they priestly line. When you read the book of Leviticus, you are reading the commandments God gave the priests. The Levitical priests are intercessors or mediators between God and the people of Israel. They were a select group within the nation who had this calling. However, the Bible teaches us that God has given the word priests a broader meaning than this, one that has significant implications for prayer. In Exodus, in Exodus 19, shortly after God had delivered the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, and before he instituted the Levitical priesthood, he told Moses, Go and tell the people, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Who were going to be priests? The entire nation of people, both male and female, children, teenagers, young adults, middle-aged adults, and the elderly were all to be priests. In God's perspective, the priesthood is ultimately not for a special group of people, but for all those who belong to him. This was true beginning with the creation of man. God purposes are eternal and his original plan for mankind, which began with Adam, was inherited by succeeding generations. God confirmed his plan with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob, and it was the descendants of Jacob who became the nation of Israel. Israel inherited God's promises to Abraham. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed to him. Genesis 18 to 18, 18. This promise corresponds to God's original plan for mankind to excite, to exercise dominant authority on the earth. Therefore, when God called the children of Israel a king, kingdom of priests and a holy nation, he was reflecting his purposes for mankind from Adam to Abraham to Jacob to the children of Israel and beyond. God's plan is that man be his representative on earth. The first man was created as a priest, one who served as God's intermediary for the earth. All of Adam's descendants were meant to be priests. Why then did God institute the Levitical priesthood? We know that God wanted Adam to spread his will and his nature throughout the earth, to administrate his kingdom by filling the whole world with a single nation of spirit-led people. Adam failed and the earth became populated with many nations who did not know God. God then chose one of those nations, Israel, out of all the nations to serve as priests before the other nations. Again, all the people of this nation were to be priests. Yet Israel also failed to fulfill God's calling. So God chose a small group from the nation, a tribe called the Levites, to serve as priests. God instructed the Levites to mediate for the nation of Israel. This would enable Israel to fulfill its calling to go to the other nations of the world as God's representative so that ultimately all nations would return to him. That was the purpose of Levitical priesthood, to restore the purpose of God to Israel. However, that this priesthood also failed to follow God and be, became corrupted. And God sent the prophets to tell the priests to return, him, to return to him, but Israel killed or ignored the prophets. Therefore, God had to come personally. God raised up priests not only for the line of Abraham, but also from his own house. One who will be faithful, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, our high priest. No one takes this honor 
of being a priest upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron, Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son today, I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5, 4, 6. This priest didn't fail. He served God perfectly. He knew how to enter God's presence and how to represent man to God and God to man. In doing so, he created a new nation of people who would be God's priests to the world. This is this nation is called the church. What did God say to the church? The same thing he had said to Israel. The apostle Peter wrote, he also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice that's acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may be you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this into his wonderful light. First Peter verses two five and nine when god told abraham that he would create a great nation for abraham's lineage and that through him all the nations of the world will be blessed what was his intent it was to redeem the whole world in keeping his word god created a new nation from abraham's descendants jesus of Nazareth and his spiritual offspring who believe in jesus those who are of the fate of abraham romans 4 16 it was natural law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be here of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. The promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the fate of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. This new nation is made up of both Israelites, Jews, and Gentiles, non-Jews, who have placed their faith in Christ. It also breaks down other barriers between people. It is the single, it is the single nation of spirit-led people that was God's original purpose. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3:28. When God chose the Levitical priests, it was a small group and it was made up only of men. Yet when God stated in Exodus 19 that the nation of Israel was to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, the priesthood includes females as well as males. When the people sin, one of the consequences was that they isolated the priesthood so that it just included males. This is not the case with the spiritual heroes of Abraham. The prophet Joel said, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel 2, 28-29. This means that when the Lord himself came to earth as God's son, his intent was to create a new nation in which everybody would receive the Holy Spirit, through whom they could be God's intermediaries for the world. The idea of woman's priest was very shocking in the day of Joel. No one had ever heard of a female receiving the anointing of the priest. Yet Joel said, the time is coming when the sons and daughters will prophesy. The young and the old alike will have the spirit poured out onto them. People were no longer going to be put into categories. If a person repented and received Christ, God would fill that 
person with his spirit and make a person his priest. Therefore, as believers, you and I are priests before God. The Bible says, Bible calls the priesthood an eternal ordinance. It is forever. Thank you for listening to the Scars to Your Beautiful Purpose. All of this includes you um, from your scars to your beautiful purpose. And, and through that transition, we have to know how to pray, how to build a personal relationship with God, getting to know God and, and renewing ourselves, renewing our faith, renewing our strength. And this is all in the process to your beautiful purpose. I thank you so much for listening to yet another episode. I thank you for keeping me in your good prayers. <laughs> I thank God for you. Um, I continue to pray for you. I will tell you to continue to stay prayed up, to stay healthy, to stay safe, protect yourself, guard your thoughts, you know, be battle ready, put on the full armor of God. Um, because a lot of us are going through it, you know, there's a lot of spiritual warfare out there, and that's a whole topic on its on its own. But I'll continue on in my series, understanding the purpose and power of prayer. Until next time, thank you for listening to the scars to your beautiful purpose.